Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, the show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day. It is day for an interview, and this time I'm beaming straight to Mexico. We are talking <laughs> to Marcia Noah Klixman. And Noah is a woman with many, many talents. She is a coach, but she lives and breathes health and beautiful life. And I want to explore that. So I'm, I'm dead excited <laughs> to have Noah on the Zoom line here with me. Welcome to cold New Zealand from a very hot Mexico. Thank you. <laughs> it is sunny and hot. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, beautiful. I, I, I grow, uh, I, I tend to expand with heat uh, in my energy levels. So I, I understand why you have chosen your, your uh, place where you live. Yes. And yes, I can't wait for our winter to now finally say bye-bye <laughs> and just bugger off. Okay, because now I don't I need... Mind. I don't mind never, ever seeing snow again in my life. I'm happy <laughs> with being hot. When people are melting and being like, it's yeah. so hot. I'm like, yes, it is so it hot. It is and so I'm hot, thinking yes. about snow <laughs> and it cools me down and it makes me so happy with my decision to be hot. But I do have the AC on, so that's a little trick. Uh, that's, that's true. That's true. You need yeah. to get it right for yourself. So well, I don't melt throughout the interview. <laughs> and that's fair call. Noah, it is, it's so beautiful to have you on the line. And because uh, Noah and I both share a passion for food, and in all fairness, my passion came from a very different angle, more the, the luxurious cheesecakes, um, <gasps> which, oh, please, please, please. But the, the cool thing is, we because of the long baking time of a German cheesecake, we bake all the calories out of it. So there are no more calories left after an hour. <laughs> so therefore, you can just eat to your heart's content. Yeah. I want that recipe. <laughs> yeah, about I'm that. for as long as we wait. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. That is unfortunately not, not 100% true. <laughs> and cheesecake is that, it's that weak spot. Is it not? Do you is know anyone who doesn't have a weak spot for cheesecake? <laughs> I don't. Even vegans, they'll have the vegan cheesecake, but it's like, mm. <laughs> makes you so moan true. just thinking about so it. So true. Oh, please. So, so I, I come from Germany where we always have yummy, yummy food. And unfortunately, I've explored that in, in some previous interviews with guests. The, the yummy food mm. that I know as yummy is unfortunately not so great. And I've had the, the pleasure of, of talking with Ben Boren. I was a nutritionist here uh, on our show about the, the allergies and the, the problems that many patients do experience without actually knowing that they experience it. Yeah. So what I would love to do to start off with is actually go a little bit back in time. Because when, when you were a young girl, did you grow up and say, hey, I'm going to be an influencer. I'm going to be a health coach who focuses on the gut. Was that the start? No. No. But, it, <laughs> but and, and I don't use that word very often, but, but I was a child who preferred healthy foods and insisted on being vegetarian. And my parents never understood where that came from because I grew up in Brazil. So eating meat yeah. is like, it's, it's, it's a staple in every meal. And I would just like, no. Since a very young age, I would 
go to health food stores and buy like the whole wheat baked empanadas instead of buying the fried ones at the market. Right. And I would research about like soy substitutes and meat substitutes. So it was something that started at a very young age. And nobody knows where that comes from. (laughs) I don't either. It's not like, you know, I had this friend or this aunt. It was just, I just felt better. I was always very intuitive and very connected with my intuition of what is good for me. Hmm. And that's not something Um, that is very common nowadays, is it? Because No, it was never very common, I think. Oh, right. Uh, Well, I guess to a certain degree, people several generations ago still lived a life that was far more depending upon the seasons, far more depending upon, upon what the earth was growing around them, where farmers markets were normal, where the food did not yeah. travel around the world to yes. get to you and mm-hmm. therefore lose all the vitamins, etc. So I guess to a certain degree, there was a big change coming to hit the world and for sure not for the better in the 50s, 60s, 70s, when essentially social engineering and capitalism changed the way we looked at what is good and what is not good. Suddenly, I mean, and you, you, we could go for, for hours now just on yeah. that topic. If you think about the change from it's absolutely normal for a woman to bake her bread at home with with healthy uh, flour. No, suddenly the flour was bleached, and suddenly it was it was more derogatory. Oh, you're still baking your own bread? Ooh. Don't you have don't you yeah. don't you have the money? Can't you afford eating some proper bread? And also the convenience. I think that there were a lot of changes in the world that we went from True. local. True to to non-local, you know, mm. to having availability. I also mm. think it's convenience. Mm. A lot of that convenience was created because women were going into the workforce. True. And, you know, they couldn't dedicate themselves to breaking the bread and cooking and growing the veggies and cooking everything and making the marmalades and the conserves and everything. Mm. So it was convenient. Yep. You buy the bread. And I think the other factor... Because as you said, we could talk for hours, so I'm just going to talk about another factor. I think that processed food, it's, you know, it started coming along and it was pretty cheap, mm. right? If you look at the ingredients, there's hardly any food in there, especially if you look at, you know, like the diet products, mm. the frozen meals is like, it's so small. <laughs> and you think that you get this many calories from something so small if you're eating like a superfood, but not a piece of whatever in a sauce and uh, yeah, you, you, you get what I'm talking about. Very People listening so. to us can imagine the faces we're making because <laughs> it's just like, uh, why would you want to eat that? But yeah, I mean, I can understand the reason. So I think it's that. It's a number of factors, but mostly convenience and price nowadays yeah. as well. Hmm. In certain countries, it's so much cheaper just to get fast food hmm. or to get a frozen pizza or to open a can of even beans, Mm. even though it's a little bit more expensive, you know, time is money as well. Even if, even if people don't make that much money, time is still money. They still got to go to work. Mm. And because they're eating those things, they get stuck in a cycle that you eat poor quality food. You don't have, you have poor quality energy. Mm. 
you have poor quality energy, you go to work, you come back, <laughs> excuse me, come back home, you don't have the energy to do that. Hmm. Instead of understanding, one of the most brilliant things that I've ever learned is that food is energy. Hmm. We all know that, right? We know how to look in the packaging for the calories, but we don't know how that translates. So a lot of people would say, oh, I just had two pieces of brownies. I got to go to the gym because you know you got to spend that energy. But what if you could match the energy you want and you need to the foods you're having and you want those foods? So what if you knew when to eat that brownie that you didn't have to run to the gym or deal with the guilt or with the extra weight? Because I still love brownies. I still love pizza and beer. And, you know, I have it at least once a week. Um, but then you know how to match that. And that is like magic once you, you get to do that. For your brain and for your gut. They're both happy. Absolutely. And that's good. So at the moment, guys out there, we are we have got Noah on here, who is who is uh, an expert in in uh, the gut brain axis, so to speak. We will explore that far more in detail. But at the moment, when it, when it comes to food, it's worthwhile to spend just a few moments on it to to really tease apart the various levels how we as humans interact with our food what it means to us because yes we need to eat but we are living nowadays such stressful lives and chaotic lives that we we often enough use food to treat our emotions to to reward ourselves yeah. to to say i've had such a shit day give me a piece of cheesecake or five or the whole well, cheesecake. Well, I've had such a great day. Let's celebrate with cheesecake. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Either so way how... it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and, uh, it's the same, and that really relates to your main topic, yeah. you know, with, um, with addiction. You're so true. And with overcoming addiction. But what most people don't realize is that they're addicted to sugar. So you're not really celebrating or taking comfort in that food. You're just quieting the addiction in you. Say that again. You're Literally. not celebrating or getting some comfort. You are just calming down and feeding your addiction at the same time. And that is so important. That is so true. And it is really hard, hard, hard for us addicts to wrap our head around that. And there is a time in, in your recovery where actually it is quite good to have to, to change your pattern of addiction, to change your poison of choice. So if you, like me, came off alcohol, uh, it, is, it is a hard journey in its own right. Now, when I came into rehab, there was always chocolate around. There were always brownies around and things you like that. You trade sugar for sugar, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely right. And it was sort of a, a, a gentle calming down and coming off. Um, I call that the, the good, better, and best method. You don't have to do everything at once. Exactly. You've got to get to good. So if you're an alcoholic and you went and now you're binging on sugar, that's good. Exactly. Good for you. I applaud you for trading your addiction <laughs> because it's, it's cheaper, it's healthier. It's funny to say it's healthier, but it is hmm. to a certain extent. Um, 
it's more acceptable. Mm. It's more available. It's more responsible. Mm. And then you go to better and then you go to best, but you don't need to rush mm. through all those three because we're talking about the gut brain connection. Mm. But when we talk about nutrition and food, we're talking about the gut brain connection. There's the other half. There's the brain gut connection. Because it worked both ways. Mm. So the addiction in the gut and in the body, it's probably to sugar. But if you look at the addiction in the brain, it's probably to stress. And because you couldn't find that addiction, that your brain automatically goes into stress mode, you found a solution. You had a drink. Wonderful. Amazing. But when that becomes a habit and then it becomes an addiction, that's when you seek for help. And that's the same thing with the addiction that your brain has for stress and your gut has for sugar. And they're very related. And once you understand that you can fix one without the other, because it's actually the only part of your nervous system that doesn't take orders, <laughs> right? Like most people don't know, but you have a second brain. There's so much of your, of your nervous system mm. in your gut. I always tell people five times more than your, you know, your spine, huge amounts. So when you have, you know, butterflies because you love, or if you have that roller coaster feeling when you get off a roller coaster, if you're going into a flight, or if as a child you got, you threw up when you had a, a test, that's your nervous system talking to you. Some of us call it instinct. Some of us call it, you know, sixth sense or being connected. It's your nervous system talking to you. And if the way you're going to deal with that is taking medicine or drinking or letting the stress eat that away, that is going to become your default. And it works. It is wonderful when we create those defense mechanisms or distressing mechanisms. They are wonderful. But then they escalate to a point that it damages us. And as I'm including you and me, with you was alcohol and with me was stress. They were brilliant solutions at first, but it got to an extreme. It got to a rock bottom that you just like, I got to find a different strategy. When did all these sort of experiences come in because when we when we started talking you you were this this health conscious child who was exploring her own world and the the health side of the world and being very much in tune with your gut with your emotions with with how food made you feel so uh, that was when you were younger But then typically teenage years come along and you're, you try to make something out of yourself in this world. How did that journey go for you? What did you do there? Mm, I think it stayed pretty much the same. I think my vegetarianism got stronger. Mm -hmm. As you know, all, all, a lot of things do when you're a teenager. Mm. You really want to stand your ground. <laughs> and um, also body image. As a teenager, that's when it kicks in. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in Rio. I oh. think everybody's seen pictures of Rio. Yeah. Like that's, that's your image of beauty. That, that it's a very hard one. It's not being, you know, in the winter in New Zealand or in Germany, you know, that, you, you know, you don't even have the beach. You have lakes and you have, you know, other ways of wearing a bikini. But that is a constant. It is a 365 days a year of that bikini body. 
So I think he became more of a teenage kind of take on health. And the, the, um, it was more focused on how I look than in how I feel. The chocolate addiction really kicked in as a strategy to cope with things. Uh, okay. You know, because then you have all that stress as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it was chocolate. It was smoking. It was experimenting with other things. We're not sure we weren't recorded on video and camera. You know, um, nothing very drastic, you know, but just illegal in Mexico. So now you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Um, You just experiment with things to see what of those strategies are going to stick with you. Hmm. And I went on with my life. You know, I did not work in health. Um, It was not the plan to work specifically in health. Um, I have a couple of degrees and tons of certifications. One of the degrees is in political science. I want, always wanted to do something with policy. And it's still my dream. Just now I know what I want to do with policy. I love to change health policies mm. around the globe to implementing those very simple and pleasurable habits. Because change only occurs when, you know, there's pleasure in it. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting with yourself and... Mm overestimating willpower Mm. to teach them in schools. Oh, yes. To be part of the health program so kids understand why their grades are low, why they're falling asleep in class, why they're hyperactive, why they they are so angry when they have to go to bed at 8 or 9, and and even if they're not angry, why they can't go to sleep. That is all related to gut and brain. Um, and it can be solved within one generation. And I, I always imagine like the difference in health budget and how that would influence as a domino effect, everything, the education budget, the, the, I mean, the health budget, not just health wise, because, you know, sick care would be healthcare, individual taking personal responsibility kind of healthcare. It would influence um, domestic violence. It would influence workplace accidents. It would influence um, education, not just on the grades, but how empowered and how focused people are to go into higher education and to really do what they love because they don't have all that stress of the social conditioning or beliefs that they adapted of what they can and cannot do. You know, it, it would have less car accidents. It would just, I mean, the world would be so much better in in my vision of, you know, what this could do. And that is is not just because you're a dreamer and that is not just because you are sort of a little bit nuts. And yeah, look at her, utopia, thinking about all these things. In actual fact, the truth is out there. Well, I don't think I'm a dreamer. I think I'm a visionary. The the difference is dreamers, (laughs) they dream, and visionaries, they actually plan, and they they know that vision they might not see in their lifetime or ever, Mm. but we work for it. No, you misunderstood. I think that uh, there will be people out there who will always look at a negative, who will always oh, listen course. to something like that and will yeah. think, oh, no, rubbish. Uh, and there is no evidence for that. And, 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 and. The reality is there is so much evidence out there. Oh, my there God, is so, yes. Yeah, there is so More much. More than traditional there. medicine sometimes. Mm. 
And the, the problem is no one is looking at that and no one is is actually compiling that and saying, here, have a look. This is this is what happens when you do X and when you do Y. And it is hard. Let's be quite clear about that. Because yeah. if you do a tiny, tiny, tiny change in habit and then try to measure the impact onto something really big like better crates or better education or, or less road traffic accidents, it's virtually impossible to do that. But there is a thing called compound interest. If you were to do one day, one tiny little change, and the next day, another tiny little change, and the next day, and so on, after a year, you have you have shifted mountains. You have done so much. And that is what we're talking about, guys. This is not a dream in the negative sense. This is not something where you have to say, oh, no, I could never do that. You bloody well can do that. Everyone who is listening or watching this, you guys can do that. It's not difficult. It is. That's the problem. It's so easy if you actually what know what to do. One of the things that absolutely all my clients say, all of them, yeah. unanimous, they're like, if I knew it was that easy, <laughs> I would have worked with you the first time we, we spoke or the first time I saw one of your videos. They're like, I tell them my work is extraordinary. It's so ordinary, so ordinary that it's extraordinary. <laughs> exactly but and they're like oh my god not only it's easy it's so pleasurable and it puts you at ease and you get all those new tools and strategies and you get to know your body Mm. and and um it's just mind-blowing because it's so tiny Mm. it's really like a, a good way and i'm imagining that that most people that are listening to us are around the same age as we are. Hmm. So they still know how to, they still remember radio. You know, so if the station is like 89.1 and you're listening at 89, oh crap. Uh-huh. You better turn off the radio like it would just irritate you. Or yeah. 89.2, yeah. no. And it doesn't matter if it's 89.2 or five, like how the static is going to be. It just doesn't sound right. Uh-huh. So it's that little adjustment. It's that little. And it's like, oh, what a relief. Uh-huh. And a lot of people go to doctors and they say, my life is playing at an 89.2. And the doctor's like, it's psychosomatic. <laughs> the radio sounds fine. I can't see anything wrong with your radio. Yeah. And then you go home, not only sick and feeling like crap, you're feeling even worse because your doctor just told you that you're making yourself sick. But it didn't bother, and I don't. I don't mean to, to bash doctors. I love doctors. I think it's an amazing profession. I have great admiration for the amount of effort that you put into doing it. But the education for doctors doesn't include that. Like, what is psychosomatic? How do I overcome something psychosomatic? If you send someone home and you just say, "Lose some weight, be less stressed," how? Oh my God! Do you think I would not be less stressed and not not be overweight if I knew how? Right. So a big part of of my work is implementing that because everybody knows what they should be doing. An alcoholist knows they shouldn't be drinking. Someone with a with a with a digestive disorder know they shouldn't be eating drinking alcohol or eating spicy food. But how do you do that? The how? 
And you don't need to go to a radio technician to just adjust that button. Right? So that's where the difference lies because it's just making sense of what you already know, but you were told not to do or not to listen to with the ears. And that's, it's quite interesting, just the words that you have just chosen. Everyone knows what not to do. Don't do this, don't do that. But there are not so many people who actually give you the solutions. They don't just give you a new problem. They say, actually, do X, do Y, and just do it. Just do it. Don't even ask questions. Just do. Do try to do that. Do actually drink three liters. Do actually do that and not just oh yeah okay i need to drink three liters no stop stop thinking just drink and then see what happens and it's just it's that amazing thing it's a tiny little change and i am my i'm the worst enemy of that because i I, give people a tip about the drinking shoot i'm assuming we're not talking about alcohol we're talking about water (laughs) water we drink (laughs) no because i give a lot of tips to people how not to have a hangover Right. So my biggest tip on water is whatever you drink, that's that's going from whatever you are to good, right? That's not better or best. It's just reaching good. And sometimes good is good enough. Whatever it is that you drink, because nowadays people drink a lot of other things. So if you're drinking coffee or tea or alcohol or um, soda or whatever it is, we're not getting into if it's good or bad. We're just improving where you are. Whatever it is that you drink, drink a glass of water. So if you're having a glass of wine, drink a glass of water. Having a cup of coffee in the morning, drink a glass of water. So that's a little strategy that will um, improve your water intake. It will give you um, uh, a forward in your day because most people will drink that cup of coffee, but they will not understand how much that one glass of water would influence their brain function and their digestive power. And, and they will be hydrated. It's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. Uh, in my book, uh, My Steps to Sobriety, I, I recall the story that broke on German news in mm-hmm. the 80s. And there was a, a small town, a small village. The mayor was also the, the owner of the only hotel. And he thought, well, how can I bring more people into my village and into my hotel? So he had a little well in his, in his, on his property. So he took the water, put it in big drums, then took a drill and literally drilled the water. So he put energy into the water and then he went out there and said, look, guys, this is energized water. If you come to me and if you drink three, four liters a day of my energized water, you will feel so much more energized. (laughs) It's going to be like that if you drink any kind of water in that amount. (laughs) So people people came in droves Mm -hmm. and the German television came as well and interviewed these people and sort of said, how do you feel? And and what's the story? Oh, a million miles. I feel full of energy. I feel so great. This water is so fantastic. (laughs) And then they sort of said, okay, so tell us more. What do you do? Are you, what's your job? Oh, I'm a secretary. Uh, Do you drink water at home? No, no. I drink, I drink coffee at work and I drink wine in the evening. (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was truly the story. But all of them, 
all of them without fail had the most amazing experience because they drank three and four liters of that water which of course you guys have already figured out that has nothing to do with the <laughs> drilling of the water. They drank it's water. It's just water. I know. Just drink water. Yeah. And they. And they, we're not uh, even saying stop drinking coffee or juice. <laughs> yeah. or like take yeah. the first step. Exactly. Whatever it is that he's drinking, drink a glass of water <laughs> as well. So, so that's an example where where yeah. micro habits can make such a huge difference, and you don't need to think too much there. You mm -hmm. don't need to be a brain surgeon to do that step. You can just do that right now. I mean, right now, you yeah. could you could walk to the fridge and whilst you Everybody, pause that, the video, pause the podcast and go have right. a drink of water. That's right. It's as simple just, as that. Just go and do it. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I think also another thing with the small steps is that um, most people, they want to go through a transformation in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's like from tomorrow, I'm going to exercise. Yeah. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to eat healthier. No, just drink water. That's a great start. Do something that it's, it's uh, big enough to create change and small enough that you won't be overwhelmed. Yeah. And of course, that's, that's not what the real program that I do with my clients. It's not like, you know, for this week, just drink water. There's more to it. <laughs> but it's a great example. And some things are that, that extraordinary. Hmm. Right? Um, the small I'll, steps. And then you can take big leaps. But don't go for a big leap. Hmm. That's indeed right. At because in, inevitably, if you, you will learn how to jump. But if you leap yeah. just into the blue, you will probably crash land. And then you're pissed off. And then you have convinced yourself that, see, it doesn't work for me. See, mm -hmm. I've given it a good shot. And now, see, I knew it would yes. not work. And that's actually not true. You set yourself up to fail. And I think that's mm -hmm. the important bit. So that's a, that the power of the, of the habit and of changing habits small but consistently every day to, to make a new choice that, that makes you feel better and therefore reduces shame and guilt and all the negative emotions because you have made that little, that little step. And it feels good. And you think, oh, that's nice. I nice. I Let's do good. another one. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's cool. Let's come back, though, to the gut and the brain. You were mm -hmm. saying that there is so much happening in the gut. And maybe let's explore that a little bit more. Yes. Because the, many of the listeners will not appreciate really the, the amount of stuff that is going on in our gut. So for you out there, just very quickly, so food goes through your mouth, you swallow it through the swallowing tube, the esophagus goes into the stomach, where some of the digestion starts, then it goes into the small gut, where most of the nutrition is being taken out, then it goes into the big gut, where basically your poo is formed, and then you poo it out. So that's in 15 seconds, that's the gut from top to bottom. Having said that, there is so much more happening in there. Did yeah. you know? Did you know that your gut and the bacteria in your gut are actually working closely together to make to make substances available to your brain to make 
those substances that really are important for you from happiness to sadness to all these kind of other things. So you need certain substances to create these, these neurotransmitters, as we call them. So a big word, the kind of chemicals that cause a emotion in your brain. And there is actually, if you have got a healthy gut, there is so much to be said about these substances that are making you feel good, the serotonin and the dopamine and these kind of things. The gut is actually paramount in creating a good balance of these feel-good hormones. And if your gut is in tatters because of malnutrition and because of drinking, because of many other reasons, Oh boy, oh boy, no surprise that you don't feel right. And no surprise that your GP or your family physician wants to give you something that helps with the serotonin levels or the dopamine levels. Yeah. And that's the, the antidepressants, etc. So Yeah, antidepressants, anti-anxiety are the most popular, but okay. today... As you probably know, you can have early detection of even Parkinson's and Alzheimer's in the gut. Tell us a bit because more. Because their relationship has been so damaged. It's like, I love comparing the body and symptoms to a little kid. So anyone that has a child or has been around a child knows that they'll be like, mom. And if you don't attend to them, so you're ready, you're ready, smiling. You, you know where I'm going. They're like, mom. Mom, and then they'll start tapping on your shoulder, and then they'll start climbing onto you, <laughs> and then they'll start yelling. And I mean, you, you know what? You know where I'm going. Like it would just escalate, and you can translate this this little tale to whatever age, you know. Uh, or they'll call you insistently, or they'll send you messages. Like, but they will get your attention. The body's the same way, but because to a certain extent. Well, to all extents, that's very healthy, right? Like I was saying, if you're a child and you're nervous about an exam and you throw up, your body's telling you you're too nervous. Then you should have strategies to, to not be so stressed. But then most people don't. They're just like, oh, you know, after the exam, I felt fine. But then guess what happens? I mean, being a teenager is one of the most, if not the most stressful times in your life, but you created this strategy and then you grow up and guess what happens? You keep doing that because it worked. But for a lot of people that escalates. So from throwing up, you're going to have problems now with going from constipation to diarrhea, or you're going to start having migraines. Like it would like that child, it would escalate because you're not addressing the root cause. You're either looking at the symptoms and already taking medicine for your migraine or for your depression or for your constipation, instead of looking at the root cause that you've been carrying for so long and dealing with it for so long. Does it make sense? Oh, hell yeah. To me, absolutely. Uh, and hopefully it is a, is a really good introduction for uh, our listeners and viewers because it is such an important realization that we neglect. And that's certainly also many doctors 
in the Western medicine have neglected or not even known about for a long time. Things are changing over the last 10 years with an increasing understanding of nutrition and and especially those kind of uh, close links that we didn't really appreciate as much. But I think most med schools didn't teach nutrition until very, you know, like mm, recently, yeah. and most of them still don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, what they teach is just, the mechanics, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So the, the nutrition, okay, this is happens to carbohydrates when they go through the mouth, through the, the stomach, yeah. into the small gut. So we, we learn heaps of that. Um, but then we learn not necessarily all the other things that affect that process. And they are so huge. They are so important out there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this gut. And if we sort of say, wow, this gut seems to be so important to us. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we are sort of bashing the modern food, so to speak, well, what should we do? So if you have got a mum that is working stupid hours and it needs to look after her children because the dad is equally working stupid hours uh, to make ends meet, and she's saying, oh, for crying out loud, I don't have time for this mumbo jumbo of, of nutrition. Uh, you know, what would be sort of steps towards a healthier gut that you could recommend to someone who is still on the mm-hmm. on the treadmill, on the rat race that keeps going, 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 and they come home and just say, oh, I'm too tired to cook. Uh, don't want to cook. I can wish them luck. <laughs> and hope he doesn't get too severe and doesn't escalate. Mm-hmm. But I, what I can tell the kind of people that um, I think will listen is not those people that say, oh, I'm so tired. I can't do anything. It's for those people that say, I am tired and I wish mm-hmm. I wasn't this tired. And then they want to understand how that frozen pizza is going to keep them in the loop. Mm. The best tip I can, I can give anyone is look at the ingredient list. Look at what you're eating. Because a lot of it might not be food. And the way to know is that if you don't understand, it's not food. <laughs> and I mean, there's some, you know, all of the complicated long names, they're chemicals. They're not foods. So do the, the good, better, best you know, if you're gonna, if you don't have time for veggies and salads, buy frozen vegetables. Go from canned to frozen. That's that's a good one. Um, frozen pizza. Um, get pita bread, which is already round, and they look like individual, you know, pizzas. And open a tomato sauce and put some cheese on it and some oregano, whatever you want. But that would be better quality than what's in the frozen pizza you're buying. And in all fairness, the, it still takes more or less the same time. Sometimes yeah. it's actually quicker to do yourself something like that. Sometimes you actually fulfill other tasks with that as well. For example, you probably want to catch up with your partner, with your children. And you could say, hey, tonight is pizza night, but rather than you guys just 
lying around and I serve you come a and pizza. Help me. That's right. Come on, come all into the kitchen. And I want you to, to chop up a tomato and, and some basil. And I want My you to kids do the cook for that exact reason. Exactly. Because I always made it fun. It wasn't like a chore. Oh my God, now I have to cook. Mm. It wasn't like we finally have some quality time. And most of the time I would do with one of them. I have three of them. Yeah. So I would do with one. And now they invite each other to cook. <laughs> Sometimes they say, do you need help? They're like, no, we're doing our own quality time. Beautiful. And I'm like, Beautiful. good. Yeah. And so kids will learn not only how to cook, but how to properly nourish themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So if they see you taking the pizza out of the freezer, when they grow up, they will know this is convenience food. If they know they're buying even sliced bread, then instead of buying the white, buy the whole wheat. Absolutely. And then put some ketchup, tomato sauce, whatever, you know, you're tomato puree of choices, get some cheese, mm. get some whatever. Even if you put olives in mm. there, that's already a better pizza. You're getting some high quality fats, <laughs> you know, Indeed. open a can of tuna and, yeah. and put it on there, like yeah. more protein, yeah. but whatever it is that you're going to be putting on that pizza, yeah. it's an addition to your health. Absolutely. And, and then it's so simple. So simple. Exactly. So it might be as simple steps like that, and it actually doesn't take much. You can just simply make that decision, and you make that decision in the supermarket. So instead of going to the to the aisle where the frozen pizza is, you actually just go to the other aisle where the pita bread is, and then take it from there. So yeah. this could be as simple, this could be another tiny, tiny step, and suddenly you have made your own pizza. And you think, wow, that is cool. And don't be surprised if your kids suddenly say, mommy, that was really yummy. That was mm -hmm. much, much better than, than the other pizza that you normally buy. Win-win. So great. Yes. The other thing that pisses me off uh, is the price that, that we pay for many of these ready-made convenient foods. As an example, um, the tomato sauce, uh, stick with the pizza. Um, the tomato sauce, the, the kind of, what, 500 mils uh, with the spices in there and the, the stuff that you basically make your spaghetti carbonara mm -hmm. with, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, you're talking five, six, seven, eight dollars something here in New Zealand, which is actually hell of a lot of money. And mm -hmm. you can get much cheaper, but then you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, mm -hmm. Water with some chemicals, basically. Yeah. So uh, for me to, to be able to actually make a large batch of a tomato sauce with my own spices, onions, garlic, uh, tomatoes, crushed tomatoes from a tin, keeping it simple, uh, boiling it all together and having this amazing, amazing sauce, which, oh, mm, yeah. And you can have it as, <laughs> as uh, on a pizza, as a, as a pizza sauce. You can have it for your pasta. You can have it for, for drizzle it over a uh, salad, for example. It's Sometimes can, even as a dip, because it's so good. Exactly, exactly right. And it costs me an absolute fraction of, mm -hmm. of what I would have otherwise uh, spent in a supermarket. And then it's that so that's going from good 
to better I'm making my own tomato sauce Mm. right and then best would be I am growing my own organic tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) exactly right I am growing my own organic basil (laughs) and I am cooking that fresh daily Uh I don't even put in the freezer (laughs) so the best sometimes it's like when we talk about being a visionary you know it's something you might not get to see in your lifetime but what if instead of, you know, on a Sunday when you're like, oh, I just got to rest today and the resting is having some drinks with friends and watching a movie. How do we transition from that is fun and resting to let's make tomato sauce? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly right. And that's the part of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Where you really consider the choices that you make that are so ingrained in your brain. They're like tattooed in your brain, right? But then thank God for neuroplasticity. That, and that's the, the part of the work that you can do yourself. That I can't write a list of tips, you know, from going to good and better and best. That's the part that it's so personal and so individual and really allows the change to be a smooth, pleasurable transition. Because I bet a lot of people would try the drink a cup of water with whatever you drink, but probably no one's going to give up, you know, drinking with friends and watching a movie to making tomato sauce this Sunday. Let's be realistic. (laughs) It's again, we know what to do, but it's like, "Mm, it doesn't sound like fun. Having said that, having said that, I mean, how would it be if you had someone by your side, for example, a health coach? who you are working with and who is holding you accountable for your actions. Hmm. Would that not be a bit easier to actually? Yeah. And let me make it clear. I like, I don't, I don't make tomato sauce with anyone. I don't remember ever telling anyone to make their tomato sauce or, you know, go drink a glass of water with whatever you drink. You have no idea what you're missing. The brain how the brain no i mean we do other things that are more effective because i work with people that are as someone said to me um exactly a week ago because it's someone that i have a weekly call with um we do some business she says you work with people that are like on their last rope like they really are in a bad situation don't you want to expand and i'm like I work with everybody. Not everybody that works with me are in their deathbed. But there needs to be that fear for people to move. Not just with their health. It's like we neglect ourselves to the point of almost no return. It's like we need to hit rock bottom. That's what happened with me. I mean... My skin was bad. I had five ulcers in my esophagus. When I did my endoscopy, they were so bad that the doctor would dial my consent, biopsy all five of them. He was like, it needs an urgent biopsy. I do not want to have your consent and then wait a week to do it again. My left lung was gone. It was completely burned. My sphincter connecting the, with the, the stomach doesn't exist. Um, there was just so much, but it took me getting to that point. I couldn't go up a flight of stairs. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep well. And that over that, that 
takes over your mind. You can't think of anything else because you become unreliable. You become unprofessional. You become a burden to everybody around you, even if you, even if they love you. And nobody knows how to help you. You were restless and you're helpless. And doctors give you a lot of prescription and tell you, oh, just work a little less, you know, relax a little more. And I'm like, do you think if I knew how to do this, I would have gotten here? So it's really for it's it's how everybody defines their limit. And what I recommend to people is what would you say if this was your child? Because it's so much easier to take action when it's someone we love other than ourselves. And here we're getting into like reopening Pandora's box when we talk about self-love, right? Taking the risk of sounding all woohoo, but it's like, this kid depends on you. So uh, that doesn't mean you have to do everything for him and take him everywhere. Sometimes it's just saying, I need to, I need to refill myself. I need to be my best so I can be my best for you, to you. But I can do that if I'm not the best for myself. And that is something that we as humans haven't cracked yet. Somehow we love unconditionally others, but not ourselves. And then we beat ourselves up. How come I can't do it? Right? And there's no willpower. And this is too hard or it's too expensive. Like, I love those excuses. The, 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 the biggest ones and everybody listening, I know you're going to be shaking me like, yep. It's time and money. It's either I can't afford it or I don't have the time. And I often ask people, what if your car broke down and it cost you $1,000? You would come up with that money because you can't go to work without your car, because you can't pick up your kids without the car. You can't go grocery shopping without the car. What if it cost you $5,000? You would still come up with the money. So what makes you think that the car is more important than you? Because you need the car to go to work. But who is the car taking to work? So true. So So you got to wax it. You got It's like, think of yourself as a Rolls Royce, as a Porsche, whatever, you know, whatever car gets you going and smiling. You are it. <laughs> and you would never put diesel in that car and not change the oil and not check the water and, and you know, whatever else goes into there that I don't even know because it's my car and on my body and you, you're going to wax it and you're going to clean it and you're not going to let people, you know, eat whatever they want in the car or smoke in your car. So look at your body as your car. Like what are you putting in there to run, to drive? And why sometimes you need to see, you know, going into red and that light going on and you're still going sort of a proud moment, you know, it's like those bad, those modern badges of honor, I'm busy, or I'll do it later, you know, I'll eat later, I'm busy now, I'm on a call, I'll, you know, it's like, no, sometimes I'm on a call yesterday, I was in a call that went a little longer, and I said, I apologize, I don't like multitasking, but I need to have a snack, because I feel that my energy level isn't serving either one of us. She was like, go ahead. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
When was the last time that we have done that? And when I say we, we listeners, viewers yeah. out there, yeah. when was the last time that you put yourself first? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And it's so important. It's so, so, so important. And I challenge you guys out there to actually look really long and hard at yourself as this car. Are you a rundown, beat up, a little, little stuttering, two cylinders in a four cylinder car kind of a situation? Or are you actually the finely tuned racing car that you would like to be? Yeah, mm, I think, uh, no, rather more a, um, mm. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not into cars, so therefore I can't Me give neither. you the, the really beat up <laughs> kind of, of image that, that, yeah. that you deserve. But it is but one yeah. really important thing, and then we connect the gut with the mind again, is that if in your mind you're just going around the block, then you're happy being beat down to a cylinder car. Mm. But if you want to get in that autobahn and be in German now, you know, you got that only highway in the world that it can go as fast as you can. You want to be that Porsche that mm. takes good care of. So why do you need that car? And a lot of people say, oh, just have a minivan because I'm a parent now and I got to fit my kids. So I got to get to from A to B, right? But even minivans, like there's so many levels of them. Don't you want that one that you just click the button and opens the door for you? Don't you want to have the windshields working properly when it rains instead of squeaking? And, you know, like it doesn't matter what kind of car you have. It's getting the best out of it. So I've had clients from stay-at-home moms to diplomats or entrepreneurs. But what they all had in common it was knowing that what they do matters. That running a company that makes millions of dollars a year or raising one child for 18 years, in their minds, it's just as important. And maybe even more. That's why you shouldn't, you know, shouldn't go and run that company. You should rather stay at home. But it's understanding that you were allowed to do what you want. And in this case, there's no good, better, or best. Whatever it is that you want to do with your life, even if you want to plant your own garden and go to the beach, you want to live on an eternal vacation because you retired early or you never had to work, don't you want to do that feeling well and with a smile? and appreciate that and just like <sighs> so it really boils down to what it is that you want to do how well you want to do it how accepting loving and supportive of yourself you are and how soon you want to do it and then money and time are no excuses they are actually Oh, I, all I have to invest is money and time. I mean, <laughs> and those are the kind of people that I work with. And that, like, it's, that's it? Like one hour a week? And this amount of money that it, I mean, it's less than a car. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely, Fair. you know, most cars. 
And we're not even talking a brand new car. It's really making that decision of it's time. And as someone that also overcame addiction, I'm sure you came in contact with different people that overcame addiction. And not everybody had the same rock bottom. Some people reached that sooner than others. But, but what matters have- is that everybody can make a comeback. So true. If you want Your to. body regenerates itself. Hmm. Your body is a well-oiled machine that is constantly producing cells hmm. and rebuilding itself. So some things, like some organs will take seven years, like your liver, right? Seven years for a liver, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> I don't work with the liver, so it's not in the gut. <laughs> it's, part, you know, it's part of the whole system, but, yeah. but then your gut, most of it, you know, the lining, it's like two, three weeks, new. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But if you're sick, it's 10 to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like my, my ulcers didn't heal even in 11, 12 weeks. It took longer. So it's understanding when you take the car to the shop, if it's a paint work, yeah, tomorrow it's ready. But if you got to, you know, really remodel that car, it's going to take a little longer. And you need to keep keep at it. You just need to to uh, make the decision that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Absolutely. once you come to that point, then suddenly the doors open because it's a you're no brainer. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. let's do okay. it. And you're asking the right questions to the universe. You are asking the right questions to to yourself and your brain is amazing because it comes up with the right answers uh, and the, the right solutions. If you know which yeah. questions to ask. If I you tell never... my clients, you have all the questions, you have all the answers. Hmm. I have the questions. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so you, you have those, hmm. but if you want to accelerate the process, hmm. Those, those questions, just like you're going to hit on the spot. And people are truly amazed when they experience that firsthand. When they're like, ah, those are the most amazing breakthroughs. And that's one of the few things that coaching has in common with therapy. We don't bring any answers to you. We are guiding you, but therapy is more about the past and the why, and coaching is more about the future and the how, right? Very different. But it's really understanding and believing in the person in front of me. It's what you said about accountability, and I want to add something to that accountability. The three pillars of success, in my opinion, and let's see if you agree with me, are one, having a system, knowing what to do, what steps to take in the right order, second, support, and third, accountability. And if you look at life, look at school. You had a system. You had support from, you know, your desk and your books to your mom driving you to school and your dad, to the cafeteria lady, to your teachers, to, you know, and you had accountability. You had to pass your tests. Now let's look at something else that's a big part of people's life and it doesn't work. Going to the gym. You have no system. You have no support and you have no accountability. And then you wonder why you sign up and you don't go. Right? And then some people, they're like, I am going to spinning Monday and Tuesday at eight. Yeah. They have a system. Yeah. They might have the support. This is the day that 
My wife is taking the kids to school because I'm going to spinning. And you have accountability because that person is doing something to allow you to do it. So if you stay in bed, they're going to be like, no, no way in hell I am doing this if you're going to stay in bed. Or if you hire a personal trainer, you have a system, you have support, you have accountability. Hmm. If they're professional, hmm. right? Driving, getting a driver's license, you have a system, you have support, you have accountability. So if you look at things that most of us are able to follow through with, and we're not going to get into, you know, if the, the school system is successful or not, or, you know, look at jobs. You have a system, you got to get there at a certain time. You got to do certain things. You have support, you have a team, you have a boss, so you have employees, you have your board, you know, and you have accountability. You got to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at it, it is, isn't it amazing that essentially yeah. these are such, again, simple steps But extraordinary we, <laughs> <laughs> so true but you need to create these systems for yourself that is you can't just sit there lie there or just wish it to become true that doesn't seem to work you actually mm -hmm. need to take action you need yeah. to take those steps and the very first step As I said in my book, My Steps to Sobriety, for crying out loud, you need to understand that enough is enough. And it doesn't matter if it is with regards to your drinking or with regards to your unhappiness, with regards to your body, with regards to your health, yeah. all these kind of things. Enough is enough. You need to come to that point. If you're not at that point, at that realization, you will never Never yeah. do the steps that are necessary. You will not implement the system. You will not hold yourself accountable yeah. by going out there and opening up to someone else. Um, yeah. May that be a, a coach at your gym. May that be a coach in your life. It is these kind of things. It's, I so wish it to you guys out there that you come so much out of your comfort zone, so much out there that you simply cannot tolerate it and that you then jump into action and recognize yeah. enough is enough. And the that's, pain of change is no longer greater than the pain of staying the same. Correct. And that's beautiful, beautiful. That is where magic happens. That is where your life turns around and it does not matter what that is. And if you go back through all the, the interviews that I've done so far, we have done with you, Noah, today, I think you're 55 or 56. Wow. Yes. So we talked to lots of people and every single one of them came to that point. Every single guest came sooner or later many of them later, um, yeah. to that point. But it does not matter when you get that insight. It does not matter. The past does not equal the future. You can change. And if you want to change in the most successful way, the easiest way for you, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You don't want to think, yeah. oh, let me read everything I can possibly now get my hands on about mm. nutrition. Well, yeah. is that really your best time involvement and money involvement? Or do you just want to create a power team where you have got someone who is into nutrition and who is a health coach who is mm -hmm. willing and able to impart that knowledge effectively onto you? Would that not make more sense? Yeah. So, I, I usually tell people, I usually ask people, 
uh, when when they asked, you know, then then what is the benefit of how, of having a coach? I said, if you wanted to climb the Everest, how would you go about doing it? You are climbing your Everest. So you want to hire someone that tells you how you need to prepare. Do you need six months? Do you need a year? Do you need physical conditioning? What kind of supplies do you need to buy? What's the best backpack? What's the weight? And then once you get there, where's the best view? What are the shortcuts? What are the dangers you should avoid? Um, that's a system, right? And then the, the support is like, you want someone's hand. You want someone to listen when you're cold and you're complaining and it's like, oh my God, it's so cold. How do you do it? And they're going to say, I'm used to it. And you already know, but it's, it's you know, part of being human and, and communicating and connecting. And the accountability of yourself, which a lot of times it's those excuses, it's the money and the time. Oh, now I've paid for it? Hell yeah, I'm, I'm climbing to the top, but you know, like this cost me an arm and a leg. Uh, of course I'm going to do it. That's where a lot of people, good. you know, you've probably had this too as a doctor. It's like some people think it's unethical to charge money when you're helping someone. Mm-hmm. It's unethical not to. First of all, it's our job. That's how we make a living, right? It's unethical not to. Oh, I agree. 100% agreed. 100%. Because that that is what that holds a hundred percent of people accountable. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much you make and whatever else is driving you. But once you paid, and it really depends on how that affects your budget and the effort of that payment, that is going to have a direct impact on your involvement with your healing. So true. So true. Oh, Noah, I'm so pleased that, that we caught up today, that we, we had this chat about our attitudes, our micro habits, our systems that often enough are not in place and that we need to, to create this wonderful, wonderful life that is waiting for us. And it's just so often that we, we're standing in front of this huge mountain and you think, how oh, the hell do I do that? And it's just all into a hard basket. Yet to yeah. be extraordinarily ordinary uh, is just such a beautiful way of looking at it. And it's ultimately, it's how do you walk 10,000 miles? Well, you put your right foot forward. And in that in that little action, you have got a point that, yes, I want to, and I will walk these 10,000 miles. And then you have got actually uh, the point of doing it, of, of acting on it and making a conscious choice. And that is your, that is your power. That is your power. You, you cannot influence the past. You don't know what happens in the future, but you certainly have right now the power to make a choice. And that is yeah. what life is all about. The power of mindfulness, yeah. Mm. If you just look at this moment, go and get a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or buy, but, some, yeah. or buy some hummus. 
go for some good <laughs> sorry guys insider joke i had to yeah. bring that out we'll because... do another one with the hummus yeah <laughs> no yeah, noah we'll noah, noah is a creative lady with many 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 uh, bo- uh strings to her bow and uh we, we <laughs> i have both... a little hummus company and we were talking about it before the podcast a... yeah. and i love my hummus it's just healthy as and it's beautiful for your gut and for your so brain good. it's so delicious i know i know i know yeah, I know. Yeah. I think so Marcia. The, I think down the line we might actually um, make a little nutrition special with some cool recipes and sure. some. Maybe maybe we both go instead of sitting at desks. We we beam you from your kitchen, which is just behind you, and I go into oh, so my cool. kitchen and actually we make some sauerkraut on my side, and parallel uh, to that you make yeah. some hummus on your side, and we go we go actually just have a good time <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that would be an interview i would be looking forward to <laughs> oh we can do junk food junk the, food the good but, going to good like oh, we did with the pizza oh yes like many ideas you know <laughs> yes please yes please oh i love no. eating and i'm hungry now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I'm going to go have some hummus. Noah, <laughs> tell me, uh, if people want to get hold of you and want to work with you, how can they do that? So the most popular today is social media. Hmm. So you can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Either is Marcia Glixman or Marcia Noah Glixman. Um, you can write to me at talk, T-A-L-K, at marciaglixman.com or people can reach out to you if they're listening to you <laughs> and ask, hey, how do we get a hold of her? That's right. Um, and guys, those are yeah. the easiest ways. And I'll make it easy for you. Just look down there in the, the description of the uh, YouTube video and of the podcast. Uh, the links will be in there so that oh, it makes it convenient for you to just uh, jump across and learn a bit more about Noah. And have you got a Thank website you. for, have you got a website for you, your hummus? Is that already out no, there? No, I don't have a website for anything. Uh, I did have a website for my coaching into about a year ago. Yeah. And um, then I went deeper into the gut house. Yeah. Well, about three years ago I did. But unless she was like, mm, my website isn't resonating with me and my clients. And I took mm. it down and it's like, I'll just do it again. Mm. And um, it wasn't a priority. People oh, no, still no. find me. And, and that's- you know, I'm always open for anybody listening. If you just want to chat, um, I have, I sent everybody a link to my calendar and I have a certain amount of pro bono slots every week. They're like 15 minute slots that I'll talk to anyone about anything related, of course, to the subject and um, try and shed some light. It is like no commitment, no sales call. It's just interesting to talk to people, you know, especially now with quarantine, it's like, I love those calls. I'm excited about it. And I get to talk to people from all over the world. And it really helps me with research and, and understanding. And for personal reasons too, it's so nice knowing that 15 minutes of my life made someone else's whole life a little bit better. Isn't it? I think that's... Yeah. yeah, and that's the reason that we two are sitting here. Um, yeah. We, you know, we we could do better things uh, for yeah. us, really. Could we? But, but <laughs> 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 now, now the point is that there is there is 
we could allocate our time differently, let's put it like that, without yeah. putting a value to it. But we both mm -hmm. choose to influence people and open doors ever such a little bit for other people to have a sneak sneak preview, so to speak, and yeah. to understand that life is the short, that, that if yeah. I can get my life sorted and get better and healthier. And Anyone stronger, can. <laughs> so true, Noah. So true. So true. Cool. Hey, Noah, I'm absolutely. I'm so, so, so grateful. Thank you so much for coming onto my show. I had a ball of a time today talking with you about gut health and essentially just teasing apart the, the relation that we have with our food. And the way how we change our approach to our food and to our well-being by essentially creating systems with which we can work and where we can then add the support and hold yeah. ourselves accountable or have someone else holding you accountable. So, Noah, thank you so much. Hopefully talk to you again in the future. Maybe offer some nice yummy food and recipes. So I need someone else to film us, but hey, that, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so I will sort something out. And you guys out there, look after yourselves and just have this fantastic life ahead of you. Make those choices that make this life more full of energy, full of joy, full of love towards yourself, because it's beautiful. It's just waiting for you to make those changes. So go out there, have a fantastic life, guys. Thank you for on, having me. Thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope this sheds some light into the potential you have within yourself. Um, and thank you for letting us share the joy that both of us found in, you know, just getting a taste of that potential that we have. We're still exploring that, right? Both of us and, um, have a wonderful life. And I hope to connect with every single you, every single one of you in some level. And I hope this made your life a little more pleasurable, happy, and healthy today. Beautifully spoken. Look after yourself, guys. Bye. Bye.